A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 99, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Oh, feeling fine at 99, folks. We've almost made it to triple digits. Can you believe it? Dan Power with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, I know you're uh, at the family vacation, but before we kick things off, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the number 99. Let's test Pete out on the number 99. How's that sound, Pete? Oh, you ready? Hold it. Is, is this going to be like a math quiz or is this going to be a pop culture quiz? I'm going to stick with sports. I was going to do pop culture, but uh, I was going to be like, uh, name a song with the number 99 in it and see how you did with that. But 99 Red Balloons. See, that's from your generation, so it's not fair. All right. I, I want you that's to... not fair. Like, I'm only, supposed to, I'm only supposed to be able to answer pop culture from your generation. What is that? Yes. Like... Like like the nineties, what a terrible like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, no, yeah, that's split the decades. It's good. Right, name the the sport and the team that this athlete who wore ninety nine played. I'm going to give you a couple of athletes. All right, Wayne Gretzky, um, L.A. Kings and ice hockey. Oh mate, he played for some other teams. He finished his career at the Kings. I can't believe there's going to be some disappointed Rangers fans out there, but that's all right. All right, Aaron Donald. I don't know. Who's Aaron Donald? I don't know. The defensive lineman for the LA Rams. Okay, I'll go a bit low hanging on that one. JJ Watt. Um, well, he's football and he was um, with the Saints, right? <laughs> oh, no, Houston. Houston. He was with Houston. No, sorry. No, who's he played for? Oh, who's he play for now? Oh, he, he's at Tampa Bay. That, no, that's not. Oh, he's God. not a you, you, I don't know where he is. This now. is this is the greatest segment in our '99 <laughs> show history. Arizona Cardinals. He, he went to oh, the okay. Cardinals, but he was from at the Houston. Go Cards. He, he was at Go Cards. Yeah. yeah, back 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 to your shanty, stats boy. Last one, Aaron Judge. I don't know. Baseball, New York Yankees. Manny okay. Ramirez. Oh, Manny Ramirez. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball, Boston Red Sox. Red Sox. Yeah. Okay. That was his most popular. He played for a lot of so, teams. Though. So, Dan, this is, this is really interesting. I'm actually, I, I was a pretty big baseball fan. My dad was American, grew up in England. He would say the only thing he missed was baseball. And actually, when I was about 16, I played two years of baseball in England. That, oh. like, now that's, yeah, that's a niche sport. That makes rugby in America look big when you play baseball in England. And so what I've actually been. Um, I was playing, I played center field. I mean, I played center field and I played second base. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's where I'm going to catch too. a ball. Like I can catch a ball without a glove. I don't need a glove to catch a ball. So, but I actually like I've been to World Series games with the Red Sox. I've been to playoff games, and it's funny because since I had kids, no time, don't follow it at all. Who was your team growing up? Red Sox. Red Sox. So um, my team was the Red Sox for three reasons. So the first reason is um, uh, when I was ten, I went to my dad's Harvard fifth, Harvard twenty fifth reunion. And they took us to Fenway Park and it just like the green of it, the, the monster, all of that stuff just, just blew me away. Um, I guess the two, the second reason is the first time they showed the world series in the UK was in 86 when the ball went through Bill Buckner's legs. And there's nothing more that Brits like than someone that tries hard and loses. (laughs) <laughs> like we actually prefer that. Like, 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 like we, uh, like our biggest like hero is Frank Bruno, who got battered by Mike Tyson like several times. It's like, like all the so, English football team that got battered all the, by all the, the English football the team. Yeah, we actually game. like if they had won, it would have been kind of like a weird feeling, but because they lost. So, so yeah. So I've been, I've, I've always been when I, um, I lived in Long Island for a year, and I'd go into Yankee Stadium and like wear my, um. Boston Red Sox hat and get abused by the Yankee fans. Yeah, I've seen that before. That's so, always fun. Yeah, but like it's so it, it's funny because like so many Ramirez, like you know Pedro, like there's lots of people. But literally the last since I've had kids, it's been really and, and then oh, doing baseball. this right. Like when am I supposed to watch baseball? I think I still uh, have an MLB like annual subscription, like MLB TV annual subscription, and I never. <laughs> it's like 125 bucks a season and i just don't get to watch it anymore old money bag steinberg just throwing cash away burning it all right last one jay-z song i got what i got 99 problems but where to buy an mlr jerseys not one because i get it from the rugby shop that's right oh what a segue powered by the rugby shop that's why you are the voice of major league rugby that's the segue little little jay-z there jay-z also getting involved with rugby Yep, interesting. Shop MLR has new fanware for rugby ATL. Perfect timing for the player. Yeah. So rugby ATL fans can get on there. And there's actually, you know, still for um, Utah and New York, there's actually things on sale, but not for the Giltinis. The Giltinis must be doing pretty well. They don't have any shop MLR end of season sale stuff, isn't it? Like they're getting maybe those uh, champions t shirts. You see the Super Bowl ones, half go to Africa, the other half. Yep. The winning team get to wear so maybe uh the rugby shop is busy printing those up right now a little bit of housekeeping uh the mll draft mlr draft returns on thursday august 19th that will be live on fox sports so uh great news there for the league getting that one on fox sports three rounds for the draft. and canadian yes. players three rounds canadian university players are eligible eligible and I believe the cutoff date for submitting uh or, or yourself to be eligible for the draft is coming up Aaron, cutoff date for August submissions. 6th. August 6th. There you go. So you've got about two weeks, folks. Kids, kids at university. Yes. Check your eligibility. Get your name in the hat. Um, we saw our last first rounder play on the weekend. Mike yep. Matarazzo, Pete, we did that game for ATL. So, you know, good sign of all the picks that uh, came out of the first round played in their first year. So quite amazing. Uh, all right, mate, let's jump into our reviews from the weekend. Houston, Seattle, Thursday night, footy up in Seattle. And the Seawolves, they finished their season with a bang. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think that you can feel nothing but excited by what the Seawolves did. They they really played well. I mean, Houston's not a great side, but Seattle, their defense was great. Um, they had 90, 90% tackles. They made 120 tackles, only missed 13. Um, they just, like, they scored that great try. I mean, J.P. Smith, I mean, it, um, ended up on the wing and then created that try. That guy can just play, right? I think that um, you, they've got something cooking in in Seattle with uh, Clarkie there. I think he's he's used, um, you know, they just signed Foodie, I think, for three years. This is like a local guy that's been playing club yeah. rugby. Like, they're going to go out and, and reach. I think probably for the first time in Seattle history, they're going to have a full offseason. Like, sh- Seattle has tended to shut down in the offseason and kind of take a break. But I think it sounds like they're actually going to, you know, and, and I think that, that's been one of the tru- struggles that they've had is that, you know, in the first two years, they shut down and everyone else did, right? And then as other teams kind of upped the ante and, and started to do more, and, you know, whether it's ATL or NOLA or Utah in particular, like those guys that are playing their developmental sides, they're and, and ATL basically trained with their team all year. Yeah. Seattle just fell behind. So it looks like, you know, with Alan Clark and Partey there, they're going to really, you know, um, they're going to be good. I think they're a team to watch next year. Yeah, I agree. I think some of their international players are going to stay in town. Guys like J.P. Smith, Brad Tucker. I think Ross Neal might stick around as well and stay in the air, which is going to make that squad cohesion a lot better going into 2022. All right, the big one on the weekend was Nolan, New York. This one had playoff implications big time. Uh, basically, Nola had a tough task to get into the playoffs, Pete. They needed a bonus point win with a plus 20 uh, differential. It didn't happen. They did get the win at the end, but too little, too late. New York, Ben Foden scores their fourth try that punches their ticket to the playoff. They lose the game, but win the war, so to speak, here. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a it, w- it was a really interesting game. There was... Um, Nola started really hot, right? So... Um, uh, Carl Meyer scored and then they had a kick I think Tim Geeman put a kick through and it bounced it was bouncing around and it looked like it bounced up pretty good for Hanno Dirksen and he dropped it and if he had caught that it would have been 14-0 after about 10 minutes and I think it would have changed the game there's this concept of game state and so mm-hmm. game state is sort of like what's the score at the part of the game and I think 10 minutes in if Nola were up 14 nothing they could just take a big deep breath and be like okay now we just need to play um New York you know did what they had to do but I don't think they you know and, and I think New York are, are, are doing some of the things that they need to do against ATL they're just really efficient they turn line breaks into tries maybe about as be- as well as anyone except LA so yeah. they're really good with with their support lines so they can they can score a lot even if they don't have um, a lot of the possession they did a great job of managing territory right and so we've seen this from New York Dan like they started off a very territorial team no, so they started off basically running it from everywhere and mm-hmm. then they like decided they were going to be territorial. So they actually have some, some real flexibility in, in how they play. Um, and so, you know, I think that it's, it's going to be interesting. Lineouts is going to, is a problem for them. And I think that um, it'll be something that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about um, what happens uh, moving forward, but they, they struggled a little bit in the lineout again. 
Um, and I think that's a concern. This their 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 scrum was strong. Um, but you know, they got through it healthy, right? And I think that was what what they want. And it, it's just gonna be a real test because it was the one playoff team that kind of went in and was battle hardened going into the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like played their best side, like didn't rest anyone, couldn't rest anyone. So I think that's interesting. For Nola, I mean, you know, I guess even when they scored that first try, that fourth try, and when they were out of the playoffs, Nola was still able to step up and was still able to pull it off. I mean, I think they've got a really good culture there. Um, they've had a ton of injuries uh, and yet they didn't put anyone in, right? They didn't call in another fly half from overseas. They picked up Tingeman and they stuck with him for the season. He certainly had the best season he's had. And the run that they had, they can look back again, you know, the same way, you know, that Hanno Dirksen dropped. They can look back at the start of the Seattle game where they had two five meter lineouts and what didn't come away with any points, right? And, you know, one point, like a bonus point there would have made it more interesting and a beating Seattle, like there would be in the, in the finals. So they went five of six of their six games. And we said, Dan, they were going to have to win all six. And that was right. And they went five on six on that, on that, um, on that run. So I think, I think Nola can feel very you know proud, but probably disappointed and probably more disappointed, not about going five of six, but all those games early on in the season at home that they weren't able to score enough points to get away. The irony, they dropped the game that everyone thought they had an easy yeah. win in the Seattle. All right, moving on. Austin at DC. This one uh, was a, quite a spiteful little clash, a little fiery for the uh, Cuisine Solutions Cup out there in Washington, DC, and finished with fireworks too. What was your take on this one? So this was this this was a really interesting game. Um, you know, when I when I think about Austin, I see a team that that has sort of ground out their success um and you know it it looked like they were trying to open this up a little bit more um dc had all the territory like they played i think you know jason robson had a great game he managed that game really well um and you know dc always scored like tries of the week like they just have the ability to to do something really really special austin had some problems at turnovers um the set piece was a mess all over the place. Both teams' lineouts were like really ineffective. I think that made it really difficult. If either team had actually done well in the lineout, um, they would have they would have um, won the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting at the end for a game that didn't matter, Dan. That like you know people came off the bench. Yeah, they did, and uh, we'll probably hear more about that in the next couple of days. All right, LA Utah. This one. Uh... There was probably more interest going into this game to see the rosters than, you know, once the whistle was actually blown. But Utah get the win at home. You and I did this game. I have my thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. So, you know, and, and if you um, watch the broadcast, you know, you heard Dan and I talk about this. Um, and if you didn't, you can catch it up on the rugby network now. But I, I, I feel like both teams, both coaches probably did made the right decision. I mean, Utah were missing six of their players out of the 23, I think five starters that were away in international duty. And if they hadn't played them, they hadn't played their best side last weekend, they, they, they wouldn't have played together for a month going into the playoffs. You just can't do that. So Utah had to play their best team. Um, the Giltinis, you know, didn't have all of those losses and could rest some players, especially some players like um, Ashley, uh, Ashley Cooper, um, 
you know, I think Ashley Cooper's played every game. He's played every minute. And so to give him some rest, um, I, th I think that was interesting. Um, Utah pretty much dominated the game, but the Giltinis just can score points. Like they don't need a lot. Um, they don't need the same amount of, um, you know, possessions. So, you know, you look at this and, you know, the Giltinis had 66 carries and Utah had 91 and the Giltinis had double the number of line breaks. They're just, yeah. even without their top players, they're just really, really um, uh, efficient um in terms of you know generating line breaks uh, they had some penalty issues that that would need to be interesting they had huge scrum issues um you know i think the um sione uh to you know he came off after 25 minutes um but blake rogers is you know isn't your number one loose head and so you know i think you i think you know la will feel pretty comfortable that they'll be able to do that. But that was probably the thing that stood out for me that I would like to look at next weekend. Probably the two things, Dan, is, you know, LA's penalties and whether scrum, can, um, whether Utah can continue that dominance in the scrum. Yeah. I, I don't think much of it will matter on Sunday night because, as you know, finals football is just a different right. game altogether. But I, even though they lost on the scoreboard, I think LA probably come out of that game. Darren Coleman probably comes out of the game feeling as though it's a win that it, it was so well known that how many, I think it was like nine starters rested for LA. That, and that's just off the top of my head, nine rested. Um, yeah, and then keeping it that close. And to be you, so close, yeah. I mean, you know. We'll, having we'll the game, it was a little Mikey Taylor brilliance that basically won Utah the game. Right. So, which... And, and but Utah do that, right? So I think that, you know, we'll talk about our preview, but Utah do that at the end of games. You know, yeah. LA need to be out of sight. Because Utah come back in that last 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're unbelievable at the back end of games this year. All right, Atlanta, New England, Atlanta. Now, the only thing that came out of this one, and we kind of mentioned this at the back end of the broadcast, Atlanta getting the bonus point, staying within seven, locks them up the second seed for the playoffs. So they win, LA somehow lose, they would host the final in Atlanta. Right. So that was, that was a big thing. Otherwise, they were on the road no matter what because Utah – with the with the bonus point win leapfrogged them on the overall standing so it, it turned out that was quite important at the end there for Atlanta but this was a fun game this was super entertaining and I thought the free Jacks played a great style of rugby too to, to really spoil ATL and we know they're going to be a lot stronger this week as well but we'll again we'll talk about that later what are your thoughts on the New England game first yeah I agree with you I, I really enjoyed this game. Um, you know, ATL played what they normally play, which is like a territorial game. Um, the New England defense, and I think this is the challenge with, with ATL, is that ATL are a physical team, particularly on defense, but they've struggled when other teams have matched their physical intensity. And so I feel like New England did that, and it, became, it was really, really difficult. So, you know, I was really excited to see Kirk Coleman play at 10, but he didn't really get much service. Like, he got lots of, like, man and ball passes, you know, there wasn't much that he could do to really impose himself. Um, you're right that there were lots of pit players that were missing. And I think that was, um, you know, important. But, you know, ATL had 13 turnovers and New England only had six. Right. I mean, yeah. that's 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 pretty impressive to only have six turnovers. So New England played a really, really clean game. They struggled a little bit in the scrum. Um, but you know, they, they did great work at the breakdown and it was just, it, I was just really, you know, I mean, 
most of the coaches that I've, I've, I've talked to throughout the season, I mean, I don't know if it's actually most, but particularly in the East, when they say who's the best team that you've played, they'll say New England. And yeah. you saw it, right? They played really, really well. Um, Conradi was great. Johnson was get great. Um, Waka was like incredible. They're just a really, really good side. So I don't know, you know, they're losing their coach. I don't know how many of the other players come back. There's definitely something there cooking for next year for New for New England. Yeah, new stadium too. And it looked really nice. And you know, we we got a chance to talk to uh, Mags, the CEO up there, and he's like, there was some issues with the rain, the lines, but they're going to repurpose that field and the lines will be a lot better. And I know that's been a complaint for a lot of people with their old stadium in New England was just how confusing the lines were. Right. So that's going to be fixed. I think they're building something really special up there in New England. All right, mate, let's bring in our player of the week, an absolute try-scoring machine. And you would think just by that, they would be somewhere in the outside backs. But no, they wear the number two. How about this for a strike rate, Pete? They missed close to eight games this year through injury, scored 10 tries. They would have played the whole year. They would end up with 20. But let's bring them in now. It's Utah hooker, Sam Malolo. All right. We are joined now by MLR Player of the Week, Sam Malolo, out of the Utah Warriors and Big Sam. It's, it's been a, a bit of an interesting year for you. You've kind of, uh, I would say, when you're hot, you're red hot, but uh, missed a few games with injury. But 10 tries on the year, you get another two on the weekend against L.A., Firstly, congrats on the season, mate. That's an amazing strike rate. And congrats on a great performance on uh, on the weekend against LA. Cheers, Dan. No, appreciate it, man. means a lot. First time on the show. How has you been in Utah so far? Give us a little summary uh, of the, mainly the positives. We'll try to keep it positive. Yeah, not always. But no, Utah's been good. Um, like, I think this team... Um, it's uh, it, it kind of reminds me of myself the way that the team goes. Like we got a bit of a chip on our shoulder. Uh, you know, a lot of the boys uh, they always got something to prove every week because boys are working jobs. Um, you know, like we we've got players like Mikey Teo and and, and up and comers like Mickey Cruze, um, but they haven't gone to the extent of signing uh, you know, any internationals from other countries or anything like that, or, or big names other than Cliven. Um, so. Yeah, like the team's just, uh, since day one, it's been a real head down, work hard mentality. And you know, that's something that I bought in from day one too. So, Yep. Mate, let's talk a little bit about your journey to Utah. You, you've got a, a pretty interesting background. Spent a lot of time, obviously, in New Zealand. Went to Auckland Grammar. And then you make the move to Australia, finish up at Sydney Boys High. What was the, the reasons for the move? And then how was your adjustment, obviously, from life in New Zealand to life in Australia? Um. Yeah, mate. Funny story. I didn't actually, uh, I didn't actually play footy until I until I moved to Australia. Um, so my dad got a job, um, you know, that that offered a, a better life for our family uh, in Sydney. So we moved from from Auckland to Sydney. And uh, growing up in New Zealand, I never really played rugby. Uh, played basketball growing up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when I when I went to Sydney Boys High, um, had like my interview. Uh, for the school and stuff. And, you know, the, as soon as the uh, school principal found out that I was from Auckland Grammar, he's like, oh, you're a rugby boy. I uh, said, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. And, um, yeah, I don't know, just uh, maybe around like uh, my second to last year in, in, in high school was when I, you know, actually tried to try out for rugby teams and stuff like that. And 
yeah, just, um, you know, was really blessed afterwards to, to get a couple opportunities at the back of that. So, yeah, I never really played rugby until until the later years in life. Um, until I moved to Australia when everyone thinks that, oh, just because you're Kiwi, you're a good footy player, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you ever watch the Utah Jazz now and think what could have been if I just would have told the truth? <laughs> yeah, I'm a basketball player and then boom. <laughs> You know what? I'm a dreamer, but I'm also a realist, mate. I'm <laughs> I, played, I played center power forward when I was uh, in, in school and I was always one of the shortest, you know, forwards running around. So, I mean, it's nice to dream about it, but no, there's no chance. <laughs> yeah, I, I got my first taste of how good basketball is in the States. I was at a like a a gym here and they're playing like a three-on-three game and because i'm yeah. pretty tall they're like hey you want to play i'm terrible basketball and i'm yeah. like oh you guys are really good did you did you play professionally and they all kind of laughed i'm like did you play college and they're like high school and i'm like oh, like they were incredible like not missing shots and i'm like so how good do you have to be to play college and then in the nba so yeah good right. to see the realist side of uh, of you came out well, let's <laughs> it was obviously a quick rise then you go from basketball to rugby you end up playing for the uh, Australian under-20s. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Two very contrasting tournaments for you. You go to Georgia, not the state, the country, and then you go to France next year. How yeah. were both of those experiences for you? Um, yeah, like when I first came to rugby, like every experience was kind of just like, wow, you know, this is crazy. But never, you know, thought that, you know, where I was from would ever experience these things. So um, I guess... Uh, the competitive side of the footy, I didn't really think about as much, um, but I was just enjoying the ride of being able to go overseas to all these like crazy different countries and experience different things. So, I mean, like the contrast between Georgia and France, I'd probably have to say, um, yeah, we went to Georgia and uh, I felt like I was in the Taken movie. You know what I mean? Like it was just, <laughs> so bizarre and, you know, like cars are driving on the wrong side of the road and people don't care and all this kind of stuff. And um, and then, yeah, we, we, we got to France and that was like more so, I don't know, just food and wine culture, you know, just... It's good culture, yeah. Yeah, I ate way too much carbs when I was there and, you know, enjoyed my time maybe a bit too much when I was in France. But uh, Don't play yeah, anybody. Great place, great place. We're in the south of France too, so it was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I spent a few seasons down in the, in the south as well. So I know you play. I think you played a game in Perpignan, right? Down at the yeah, we played a game in Perpignan. Great yeah. city, great right. city, beautiful place. Yeah, but and I was shocked at how late everything happens there. You go to dinner and you'd sit down, and you'd look, you'd be like almost midnight, and then the right. meal would be coming out, and you're like, I should be in bed, and not right. not eating this giant meal. But yeah, <laughs> it, it is a great experience. Tell us a little bit about Georgia because that's you know you're you're in the. Well, a former Soviet bloc country, and it's pretty pretty uh, wild. But how was the how was the you know the stadiums there and quality and obviously the food and stuff like that there? You know what? Um, so for yeah, we like our, our practice stadium, for example, and you know how um, everything's organised with your manager sorts out a stadium for you and all that kind of stuff to to train at. We actually have really good facilities in Georgia. So you go to like a really rural place and the facilities that we were training at, it was top, you know, top of the line, world-class, brand new build. You know, we got ice baths, spas, uh, hot tubs and all that kind of stuff for after training. And uh, the people were really nice too. The uh, the facilities managers and, the, you know, the people, the caretakers would come out, you know, hang out with the boys. And so, yeah, it was it was really nice. And it was kind of hidden too. So we'd, we'd go for maybe like a 40-minute drive just – you know, seeing some pretty weird things and uh, then come around the corner and, and uh, the facilities are actually really nice. Stadiums are packed too. Yeah. So, 
yeah, there are kind of like hidden gems around there in Georgia because like you wouldn't think it's, oh, you know, it doesn't really look like a rugby country or anything yeah. like that. Pull up to the stadium and it's just packed full of people. Yeah. Yeah. No, That's awesome. Yeah. So for me, you get a little bit of super rugby with the Rebels, right? And then you go to Suntory. How does that whole work out up in Japan? Uh, yeah, so uh, like, like we were talking about earlier, um, I was uh, put into uh, the Rebels at like 19, 19 years old or so. I'd been playing rugby for maybe about three, four years. Um, and just the whole... Uh, how, how full on it is. Uh, you go from a program where when you're young, you know, people tell you, you know, you're eligible for this and that, you know, you've got a big support network. And then when you get into the big leagues, um, you got to realise very early on that, you know, at the end of the day, you're expendable. And so, uh, yeah, that was, that was like a tough pill to swallow and, you know, like trying to, you know, overcome all the adversities of, you know, getting injured in my first season and doing all these other things. So uh, I had to take a step back, um, uh, from it all and uh, just do a little bit of uh, research and training because a lot of the game's mental um, as much as it, is, as it is physical, which I didn't realise until then. And, uh, yeah, after doing, uh, taking a bit of a break, um, putting a bit more work into, you know, into the mind and, and, and the mental, uh, I reached out to my agent and then he said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do for you. And that's how the Suntory contract came about, which I was very lucky to get. Uh, very blessed to get and then um, yeah pretty much as soon as I got that contract it was just a matter of okay like this is you know this is your new life now if you really want to make it super rugby you've got to put your head down and work hard so how's your Japanese you remember any oh mate rusty yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the basics if you give me food I can say eat the ducky mouse but other than that yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's great alright let's talk about your, your Warriors time here and, and let's focus on obviously it's a unique situation the game on the weekend was a rehearsal for this weekend's game so right. what, what were your initial thoughts when you saw the LA roster when you saw that they were resting all their stars and you guys kind of went with a pretty full strength side yeah um my thought process was that there was no excuse uh, for us to lose that game, um, especially with, uh, you know, they're breeding in a lot of young players and we've got a few guys here and this is their first professional environment and you realise how um, emotions take um, a lot of your performance. And so we had no excuse to lose that game. Um, so we had, you know, a lot of structures implemented to make sure that we won the game. And although the you know the rehearsal didn't go as well as we planned, we still got the we still got the W. So you know it was it it, it, it was bittersweet, but just um, as soon as the final whistle was blown, like a few of the boys could already get a gauge on the things that we need to work on leading into this week, yeah. especially when they get get their boys back. So yeah, what do, you, what do you what do you think the big changes will be this week from them? What adjustments will LA make? Obviously, the the roster is going to be a huge one, right? They they're going to stack that roster and come out with with all the big guns. But yeah. what do you think they're going to make at the change front here, what they saw from from the Warriors in the weekend? Um, well, yeah, like first first two things, like if, if, if they get if they get uh, Gits back and AAC and, uh, and Billy Meats, uh, they're going to be a lot more clinical. I think uh, last week they, they ran the ball a lot. They counted from their own first, uh, from their own half. Um, and which was which was smart by them to give you know a lot of the young guys you know like the time yeah. to showcase their talent, um, which they did really well at. 
Uh, I think that leading into this week, there'll, there'll be a lot more clinical. Uh, they'll pin the ball into the corners, um, you know, play a lot in our half. So we have to play defensively inside our half. Um, and I also think that uh, the once they're inside our half, they'll probably look to play multi-phase um, and then attack those edges. So they'll probably go wide to wide or punch middle and then go wide again. So these are the things that we have to prepare ourselves for. Um, just because, yeah, just our, our you know, multi-phase defense. And we've just uh, we just implemented a, you know, a, a new defensive system for our team. So it's, it, it's working. But um, there's just a few details that we need to tighten up if we want to, you know, keep LA, you know, on the back foot after four phases. So... Yeah, and and of course, finals rugby is always a little different, isn't it? Right, it's the same right, right. same song, but the volume gets turned right up, and, and you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do you think there's a possibility to maybe catch them? Obviously, there's experience there. You know, you talked about Gitz and Adam Ashley Cooper, like not only just experience, experience, but like World Cup experience, right. international experience. It's a different level altogether. Do you do you get the sense that perhaps? you are able to catch them a little bit. Maybe they are a little complacent because of how big the names are in the roster. Mate, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, especially the amount of work that we do in the fours, like you said, finals rugby is a different different style of footy. Um, I think that what we showcased last weekend uh, in regards to our set piece in the forwards is really going to you know pay us dividends moving into next game. Um, you know, if we, we, we keep the game tight and if they want to play a boring style of footy, you know, touche will, you know, kick for corners, more penalties, scrum penalties, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, if, if uh, we give that good attacking platform for our backs, um, then, you know, there's, there's those multi-levels of, of attack that we can get there. So, um, yeah, like you said, finals footy is a different brand of footy. And I think that if we, you know, play to our strengths and work on our strengths even more this week, and you know it'll pay dividends for us this weekend. So, yeah, you're getting the good stadium tour too. You got to play SoFi and now the Coliseum. So the Warriors right. have like two good trips in terms of stadiums to Los Angeles. All right, mate. Let's let's go. I'm going to delve into your your past here a little bit. We're going to do a little testing of, of uh, some of Malolo's knowledge. Oh, Sydney Boys High, pretty well known school, and it's got the old boys there. Pretty well known. You've had some pretty famous old boys come through. So I'm going to ask you if you can name these old boys. All right. All right. Uh, who am I? Who am I? Yeah. I won an Oscar for acting. I own a rugby league team in Sydney. Russell Crowe. I like to fight people around. Yeah, Russell Crowe. You got oh, yeah. it. Bang. Sydney boys high. Went there. All right. <laughs> Next one. I won the World Cup. In 1991, but not as a player. I have been involved with the Wallabies and the Waratahs. I was the original Ned Flanders of Australian rugby. I hope you remember who Ned Flanders is. I hope I'm not aging too much here. You know who Ned Flanders is? Yeah, uh, Simpsons. Simpsons, man. Yep, yep. So the the moustache and the the glasses. Yep. Yeah. So, coach the Wallabies, coach the Waratahs, won the World Cup in 91 as the coach of the Wallabies. Initials are BD. Bob Dwyer. I'll, 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 hey. I'll put you out of misery. No, no, yeah, what? Th- what? Th- thanks for that. Thanks for that. No, you yep. are. Yeah, I would never have got that. I'll be, I'll be dead set on this with you. 
let's hope he's not a selector for the Waratahs moving yeah, forward. He yeah, might be in trouble. Sorry, Bob. Yeah, no. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> that was a setup, Bob. He knew we just had to do it for the show. Right, All right, last, last one. And this is a little different one. I'm going to throw a little rugby league in there. I won the NRL championship in 2002 with the Sydney City Roosters. However, I played at the South Sydney Rabbitohs first. I would go on to represent Japan in rugby later in my career. Craig Wing. Wingy. You got it. Yeah, yeah, you got that one. Probably one of the most talented people I've ever seen on a field, either code. He was incredible, Wingy. He was incredible. All right. This is going to be a Utah question. Now, this band originated in Utah. Now, they don't claim to be from Utah anymore, but they are from Utah, and I'll explain how. I'm going to give you the lyrics of the opening line of a song. You've got to tell me the song and who sings it, and then I'll tell you why they're from Utah. All right, you ready? First things first, I'm going to say all the words inside my head. Oh, bro, you're kidding. Uh... Come on. Just sing, just sing it. Can you sing it? Can you sing it to me? I don't know how the. I don't know how the no, because stuff. I've I've played this joke before, and then you'll be like, "No, you should let them sing it. You're terrible." Because I'm a terrible oh, singer. Okay. All right. yeah, sweet. Say, so the main it. the the main chorus is, and I can't say the last part because it's got the name of the song. It's uh, make me a make me a something, a something, and that's the the name of the song. There is a mythical creature from Game of Thrones in the title of the band. Jon Snow rides one in season eight. Spoiler alert. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, oh, mate, I watched it maybe X amount of years ago. I, I, what, a, a dragon? Yes. So, uh, name of the band is? Imagine Dragons? Oh, bang. No. Yes. Right. Yeah. And the name of the song was? Um. This is what this is what the Warriors need to be this weekend against LA. Believers. Believer. It was believer. Oh, right. Yeah. So imagine now dragons. Said it. Now yeah. Said it. I know the song now. Was, uh... Yeah. Everyone knows it's like a highlight, you know, one of one, uh, every highlight about four years ago was right. with with that song. So they know, actually came out of Provo, Utah. They won the BYU Battle of the Bands and then moved to Vegas after they won and then become obviously the big band they are. All right, let's talk a little bit about your teammates now. You have a, a, a multicultural, a smorgasbord of countries represented at the Warriors. You have four countries with cap players in the Warriors squad. Can you name all four countries? Germany, One, USA. Yes. Two, yep. Namibia. Three, yep. That was the one I didn't think you were going to get. The last um, one played at the 2019 World Cup, got married. Right before the World Cup, and almost probably got divorced for leaving after he got married for eight weeks. He replaces um, you on the field. Oh yeah, Fiji. Yeah, Fiji. Uh, yeah. Big boy. Ratu, your boy. All right, now we'll go on to the American flavor. College football, massive here. If you get a chance to stick around and watch some of it, go out to the Utah BYU game. Have one of the boys take you out. You'll have an absolute ball. College football is huge. I have. Name three guys in your team that played college football. And I'll give you an extra bonus point if you name where they played. Three guys in our team played college football. That's a tough one. I'll tell you what, I don't know if this is on the list, but um, Josh Whoopi, BYU. Is that on did there? He play, did, 
Did he play football at BYU? I thought he played rugby. Sure. He, no, he, on there. One. Uh, uh, and uh, hey, I'm one and done. Your your roommate, your roommate, Mikey, Mikey Tao played college football at Long Beach Poly for two seasons. Long Beach Poly is a high school. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Long Beach Poly is a high school. Long Beach Poly is a high school, mate. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Hey, if you, kids, you know, if you said high school, um, I would definitely thrown that down because Mikey will not stop talking about his high school, Long Beach Poly. So Mikey was so intelligent. He was like Doogie Howser. Is it a college level of high school? That's why I threw it in there. Just for <laughs> sake. All right. The other one, uh, let's see. You've got two more that jump out. Okay. So one, two, three played on the weekend. Oh, um, Alex Tucci is one of them. Yeah. Well, he didn't play on the weekend, but yes. Where did he play? I have uh, two colleges for Tucci. He played oh, at a school in Colorado and a school in Texas. In Texas, yeah. Yeah, West um, Texas A&M. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the school in Colorado, though. CSU, uh, Colorado State University. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. His pride and joy is a photo of the head coach basically just berating him for uh, messing up on special teams. And he's like, oh, it was a hi- highlight of my career. Tucci's a great dude. I love Tucci. Yeah, no, guy. I love him too. I've got to ask you about that photo. Yeah. Now, now the other one uh, looks like a wild man, but he's probably the greatest human being off the field ever. Plays in the forwards for the Warriors. Is he a prop? Uh, no. Lucy, Lucy. Lucy. Great hair. Great hair. Like phenomenal hair. Oh, Lance, University of Hawaii. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you got it. I would have also accepted uh, probably the most successful one was Logan. He played yeah. at Washington State and was in camp with the Seahawks. I think he got a preseason game with them. Yeah. And James Vifale uh, was on scholarship at Western New Mexico. To, oh, I don't know how much he played down there, but yeah. There you go. A good little flavor. But uh, I don't know how I missed half of those. I'd... That's all right. That's yeah. That's just this, this, by the time this comes out, you'll be you'll be on the road, to LA, and safe. So I'm not sure if any of your teammates outside of Tucci actually listen to it. So <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good luck this weekend. Uh, I'm looking Appreciate forward to it. it. Sunday against LA should be a great game. Hopefully, not the last game we see you in in MLR. One more after that, and then fingers crossed. Obviously, hoping you get what you want out of the rugby career with Super Rugby and that, but. Never forget MLR and hopefully one day see you back out here, mate. It's been a pleasure watching you this year. Yeah, I'm definitely enjoying every minute being here. So, no, appreciate it, Dan. Thanks, Heath, man. All right, legend. Great great game on the weekend. Good luck this weekend. Cheers, mate. Thanks. There you go, Pete. And crazy that uh, he hasn't played a lot this year yet. Ten tries. He did tries. five in the last two weeks. You, five you in the last two weeks, the, right? I in mean, the broadcast been, on Saturday. You know, he's obviously a finisher. We saw it this past weekend, right? He's got good body position. He's got a good eye for the line, and and that means that makes a lot. And and you know, the line out is the most potent attacking weapon in Major League Rugby. It's where most of the tries are scored, and so your hookers are going to score a lot. Well, great that you brought up the lineup, and and I see that you're in your lab at the moment. Uh, is, it, is it is it safe for, for visitors to come in? There's um, no, no secret. No, don't come in. No, I was going to say we want to come in for the professor's tactics, but no, we're going to skip that. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you can you can look at the lab, but you can't come in without. There's waivers that you have to sign. 
Okay, Just everyone, quickly some- sign your virtual waivers, put your goggles on, and we're going in. Professor Pete, let's talk about the line out. And uh, are we going to do a general chat here, or you want to do it specific to this weekend's games? No, we'll do. I think I think we'll do a general chat. I think we'll talk about more specifics. I think what was really interesting. Um, what's been really interesting for me as we've gone through the end of the season and we've looked at lineouts is how many teams are not doing full lineouts, right? And so they're running um, a six-man lineout with their forward, often the, the flanker, as the um, scrum half, which allows him to be um, most often a, you know someone that drives in the lineout, but also can be a distributor. That's why you put the seven there. And that the big reason why you do that is that it reduces the line-out defensive options. And so there was some interesting stuff, Dan. Um, I think it was the uh, um, LA uh, New England, um, Utah game where Utah were just taking away the first two spots, right? So there's basically three spots that you can throw in a line-out, right? You can throw to the front, you can throw to the middle, you can throw to the back. Right. So line out strategies are either to jump where there isn't a defender. Okay. And so throwing to the back is the hardest throw. It's the best attacking platform. So you've got a really good throw and a really good jumper back there. Um, and you, you know, you see that with Van Vuren. He's a great jumper at the tail of the line out. Right. It's what allowed allows Utah to, to have that hit. But LA didn't have that opportunity. They didn't have Dave Dennis, right? So they they struggled a, a little bit in terms of trying to. Um, understand how to come over the, the defense. So if you run a full line out, it allows two pods to take away the first two space and you still have a guy for the overthrow. But if you run a six man line out, then you have those two pods, but you don't have an overthrow and then it becomes more difficult. And then if you have a five man line out, generally the defender has had to move, right? So in a full line out, you go to the space, right? You can also go quick, right? And so you can get into space quicker, but generally with a full line out, you're going to throw to space where they're not jumping. And in the shorter line out, you want to be looking to move along the ground. And I think one of the interesting things in both of the playoff games coming up is how important the line out's going to be, right? So New York struggles a little bit in the line out. Um, ATO are very good. Um, LA are very good with Dave Dennis. And actually Utah is very good. And the line out edge, I think, can probably determine what's going on. I think the New York line outs are much better with Nick Savella. Right. I think their stats are much better when he's playing. And so he didn't play for the whole season. So I think the line out is going to be really, really critical. So look for the um, attackers to attack space, right? So to jump where there's not another jumper or to just be quicker, right? So in other words, to get into the air. So you either win, well, what they say in line outs is you either win the line out on the ground by attacking space. Maybe it's moving, but you're trying to create space and you're in attacking space, or you win it in the air by getting up first, right? And so watching both of these lineouts to see what they're going to do, because there's some really great lineout op- operators like Nick Savetta, um, sort of Dave Dennis. Those are those those two are like really, really top guys. It'll be interesting to see how teams counteract the best jumpers um, and how the throwers can manage the pressure in a playoff game. All right, who's got the best hooker-jump combination out of the remaining four? So you've got Fawcett, Savetta, um, Atlanta, we've well, really kind of got two there with Momsen and uh, Big Mano, Red Lingus. Uh, you've got Fortain in Utah and Dennis in LA. Who do you want if you're building a team? I think Dennis is the best line-out guy out of, yeah. out of that group. Um, I think Fortain's really, really good too. And, and we saw it when um, he, he was injured, 
and and Utah struggled. I think Atlanta do well because they have multiple options. Like the interesting thing about Dave Dennis in LA is he has more than double lineout plates than anyone else mm-hmm. on that team, right? They've only got um, Dave uh, um, Dave Dennis and um, Dan Hoot. Dan Hoot. Those yep. are the only two lineout options. No, pretty much no one else jumps and, and gets the ball except for those two. So, so what's interesting is you better be really good. But it, and and you and it's the I think it's one of the reasons why LA have some short lineouts, right? Because when you only have one or two options, there's no point in having a full lineout. Um, I yeah. think that like you know um, Utah are more rounded. I think that um, you know you've got uh, Nate Brakeley, you've got um, Nick Savetta, uh, you've got um, even Hanko. Right, Hanko um, Hamasais, he can, he's a pretty good line out jump. Like, I think Bernard, a lot of Bernasso usually gets some action yeah, there yeah, too. And yeah, he's Bernasso a little taller and leaner well. than Hanko. Yeah. So, so like New York actually have a lot of options. And obviously, with um, the butcher as the hooker, yeah. you know, they've got, they've got some experience. So you would think that they would have a really, really good line out, but it hasn't functioned as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So the line out for me is going to be the critical set piece and, and probably the, the determining factor. Good stuff. Good stuff as always, Professor. Absolutely love it. All right, where to watch only two games this weekend. Obviously, we're in our conference finals. Both games on CBS Sports. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern will be the Eastern Conference Final. New York taking on Atlanta. Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern is Utah at LA. Well, let's bring him in. Uh, not for actually, it might be the last time this year because he's got to work in a different capacity for the hundredth show. So, stats boy. Come on in. What are the uh, what's the stat? Give me the stat of the week and then give me I like the number that I have to guess what the number means too, because I'm terrible at it. 28. 28, 28, 28, 28 is the number uh, of rookies that have played this year. Someone paid attention to my Twitter feed. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. I didn't have a chance to answer. <laughs> yeah, because I knew the answer. I didn't want I, I didn't want you to like embarrass yourself. With some pop culture reference about like some song or movie that involved twenty eight. Okay, Dan, give me give me a pop culture reference that involves twenty eight. Uh, twenty eight days. It wasn't the one where it goes dark in the Alaskan town for twenty eight straight days, and the vampires come there and feast on the people. And it's um, oh, what's his name? He, he's a poor man's Aston Kutcher. Uh, oh, he was he, he didn't hit the heights of the Cooch, but. Um, <laughs> 28 days of night, it was called. 28 days of night. Hang on. All right, you two just keep talking, Stats, where I'm going to so pull it up. We, so we got, you got the 28 weeks and the 28 days later. Um, see, another number. I thought, I mean, just statistically, if you look at what uh, what New England did uh, to, to Josh Atlanta. Hartnett. Josh oh, Hartnett. Yeah, Josh, it, was, Josh Hartnett. it was 30 days of night before I get slaughtered for messing it was 30 days, so I was wrong. Oh, I think, so, all right, so, so, if you go, you. so if you go back yeah. to what the, the New England game, which you guys talked about, I thought it was interesting that they – and this bared out in the statistics is they flipped the script. Um, they really played the territory game and just, you know, made uh, – I think the way you win against Atlanta is you make them attack a lot. Um, yep. Because of, and that's the biggest problem for them. But um, going on to where we are in Pickums, okay, it's not over. That was someone, someone in another group I'm in decided to. Um, well, I can't gamble on MLR, but they could, I guess. Um, decided to issue 
the buy not the buy house, but the pool, the money. And we have to pick this week and we have to pick next week. So it goes until the oh. end. Um, so uh, I, I thought I did horribly, but I stayed idle at 18. Um, I think I only got two of two of the five. It was, it was a pretty intense one. Um, going down to uh, the old professor. Uh, he's got a lot Keep of work to down. do. He's got a lot Keep of work to down. do. No, 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 no. He's you got a lot of work to do, but you did not go down this week. I can't even. Did I, did I even pick? Like I, I forget that I even. I, I don't know what and if you picked, but you you moved up from thirty seventh okay. to thirty sixth. And maybe that's because um, stop worrying dropped six spots. And Woodrow sixty nine dropped four spots, and USA Rugby fan eighteen dropped two spots. Like there was a, it was not, it was not a good performing weekend for for many people. Yeah. Um, uh, so, it is what it is. But where is Gorgeous Dan? We want to know. Everyone, everyone wants to know. He's he's not gonna. It's only three games, so he doesn't have a chance of getting near Larry. Uh, in the pool, but Dan has moved up one to seven. Lucky seven. I think a top ten finish so, so is really an indication like 10 of ten times boost. points in playoffs. I hope so. It should be ten times points in playoffs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those are those are the uh, I guess the the what sort of the shapes of the analytics I saw from the weekend was how. Uh, New England flipped the script. And then the number of the week being 28, that is the number of rookies that we've had. Uh, the I, I got I, I miss Keanu Andrade. He was actually the 26th, but when I counted him, that made him the 28th. He was the 26th rookie to debut. He originally um, was drafted in the supplemental draft by Atlanta, then was part of a trade that involved Ryan Rees in the supplemental draft going to Atlanta. He went to Nola Gold. And then for most of the season, he played there and then obviously went to New York and got to play against the team he didn't end up getting to play for. And then obviously Matarazzo, the last first rounder for Atlanta. And then Lincoln Sai, who was an undrafted player out of Grand Canyon, got to play three minutes uh, off the bench for Atlanta. Good stuff, Stats Boy. Love it. Can't wait to see what he cooks up for the final, which will be our 100th episode. Hey, uh, just quickly, we saw some retirements up in Seattle. Just want to give a shout out to two guys up there, Tim Metcher and Shalom Suniula, uh, both OGs from the first season. Shalom has become the Brett Favre of MLR where he retires every year and then somehow you see his name on a sheet the next year and you're like, what are you doing, buddy? Call him, mate, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you know, one more. You can't do it when you're he old. He can still Might play. Well now. He can yeah. still play. You still got it. You still got it, Lummy. Uh, all right, Pete. Um, hashtag give me a jersey is still running. So we have a jersey. So get out on the socials onto Twitter, Instagram, tag Pete, Aaron, myself. Uh, tell us why you, you want an MLR jersey and then use the hashtag give well, me hold a on, jersey. Hold on, hold on. Let's get, let's get this right. Um, it's the uh, uh, it's we want reviews, right? So you can give you can leave a review on on apple or you can leave nah. a review on social media nah no nah. social yeah, media tell, tell us why tell us why you want a jersey you can leave a review as well 
we appreciate anything you can give us. It's all good. It's all good. Do you? Dan doesn't quite understand how social media works. We, we want the reviews. And if you can't leave a review anywhere, then you can use social media. Yeah. No, the hash, business hash, decision. Hashtag Pete's Prickly. Use that one as well because let's just, I just want to give away a jersey, man. I'm like old St. Nick, 24th of December. Just let me give some stuff away, Pete. I'm a we peacock. You got to let me fly. What movie is that from? If you get that right, you get a jersey too. I'm a peacock. You've got to let me fly. Um, it sounds like Dumb and Dumber, but I don't know if it, if it would right, be. John, right, John. Again, from my era. The other guys, it was uh, Mark Wahlberg, part owner of F45. Congratulations to Mark and Adam Gilchrist, by the way, on that successful IPO float. Uh, did great there last week. And uh, he was talking to Michael Keaton, uh, who was one of the OGs of Batman. Not Adam West OG, but back in the day with Kim Bassinger. Basinger, depends how you say it. But yeah, I'm a peacock, Cap. You gotta let me fly. Uh, and a lot of people have made a joke that peacocks can't fly, but they actually can fly, just not very well. So technically, he was right. Peacocks can fly, but oh, I, I should have been on my phone during that whole thing. Can fly? I wasn't. I don't think the females can fly. No, the females can fly, but they don't have the big plume. Uh, the males can fly, but not as well. There you go. Lock it in. Um, look out. Uh, What's the old British guy's name who does all the documentaries for nature? Attenborough. David Attenborough. Look out, David Attenborough. Uh, gorgeous Dan is coming for your job. Here we see the male peacock gently <laughs> taking off from terra firma. There you go. Done and done. All right, Pete, anything else uh, next week? Do you want to tell them what's happening next week with the show? Sure. Um, we are going to do a preview, right? Hang on. Let me do the rundown. It's not in there. Oh, Pickham! Yeah, we're going to pick them. We're going to do Pickhams, and we're going to say where, where, when, and where the games are. I've already did the when and where. You weren't listening. You were. I was like, was I point. not listening? <laughs> not All right, doing something else. New York, Atlanta. In Atlanta, who do you like and why? So I think this is. Um, I think I like Atlanta. Um, I think New York are a really dangerous team for ATL, though. I think that New York do a great job against the Atlanta defense. There aren't many cover lines. You have to convert your breaks and New York, when they beat them earlier this season, that's exactly what they did. They had like five line breaks and they all ended up being tries. New York also has a very good defense of its own and ATL while they've done pretty well, have not been, you know, haven't throughout the season scored a lot of points. So I think the question is going to be, can ATL score the points? I think the big question is who plays 10 for ATL I think the New York team, we probably know what the New York team is going to be. I think the ATL team has a little bit more depth, but at 10, do you play Carlisa or do you play Coleman? Right, Coleman got, their, got his first start, didn't play very well. I think that it's going to be, it's going to be a really interesting, like Ezkura didn't play, so what does that mean? Um, you know, Nell played and played well, but I think that, I think that we're probably going to find, I think that... Um, uh, I think Coleman at 10, um, Ezkura at 12, Carlos Sir at 13, O'Keefe, sorry, um, O'Keefe at 13 and Carlos Sir at 15 is probably what they're going to end up. Um, but I think that's a, that's a big question. And for New York, the big question is, um, you know, they have a significantly worse scrum, significantly worse line out. Are they able to match them? They would need to match them um, and have some sort of parity in the set piece to be able to win that game. If, if ATL have the edge in the line out in the scrum, I think ATL wins it. 
uh, I think New York needs to, if they, I think if New York has parity, I think that um, New York probably becomes the favorite. Hang on, parity or parity? <laughs> yeah, parity. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Little, little inside joke there from the broadcast on the weekend. I, only a few people, Aaron, Stats Boy got it, but only a few other people did. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, here's one now you've made your pick but it'll actually just reinforce your pick. Cara Pryor picks up a red card. Uh, mm -hmm. Looks like he'll be suspended for the rest of the finals big, for that. Big loss for New York, right? Big loss for right. New York. I mean, they've got depth, but it's a big loss. And I am hearing that there is a chance that Dan Holland's head will be required to fly back to New Zealand before the game. So Harry Bennett will probably be starting at 10, which is a... Now, Harry did a great job when Dan was out. Originally, they've played a lot of rugby without Dan Holland's head, but the last couple of weeks... He's showing how important he is with his kicking game and off the tee. He is considerably more accurate than uh, than Harry Bennett and Chris Martina in big moments. So we'll have to see when the rosters come out, how that'll affect it. But I'm leaning the same way you are. Even though New York has beaten Atlanta twice, I think they've taken enough out of those games to make the corrections and, at and, home and get the win. Yeah, and, and I think that it's also one of those things where it's just like in, a, in close contests, it's hard to beat a team three times. Right, it's it, it. I think that there's some psychology there, right? Like you've won three times, and I think that's. I think it's hard. It's hard to beat a team three times. So I think ATL will come in with a bit more of a chip on their shoulder. Um, it's a playoff yep. game, but any any little edge you can get is good. And so I'm sure Scott Lawrence has been like, well, we've never beaten these guys. You guys have never like, um, yeah. There are some buttons you can push when you're 0 and 2 against your playoff foe. And funny enough, both teams coming into this game on a loss which is That's also kind cool, of weird yeah. into the playoffs. I don't know yep. if we've seen that very often. All right, other game, Utah and LA. Now, you and I are calling this game. So it's, uh, do you go against tradition here and make a prediction or are we going to start? So I don't think we make a prediction, but I think we can talk about the game, right? So I think that like what I would say is that, you know, LA come into this with a strong favourite. Um, and I think they come in as strong favourites partly because they're, you know, um, a slash B side was competitive with Utah's A side, mm -hmm. and 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 what we learned there was that um, you know for Utah to so there's a couple of things that Utah has to do to be able to win. So we've talked about it. They've got to get their line out. They've got to take away Dave Dennis. Um, they've got to you know really disrupt the LA line out. It is such an important attacking platform. In fact, both Utah and LA score more points off lineouts than the, any other team. It's almost sixty percent of their points come off lineouts. So the first thing that Utah has to do is they have to have an edge. Um, uh, they they have an edge to um, they have to have that edge in the lineout. The second thing is they've got to they've got to hold them in the first twenty minutes. Right. I mean, Utah just want to be probably within 10 points with um, with 20 minutes to go. Right. Because their bench is really strong. Right. So Utah, I think, has the stronger 23. Um, I think L.A. has the stronger 15. And so L.A., they want to blitz them, be up 20 points after 20 minutes and then like manage the game the rest of the way. And so, you know, those, those are the things I think if I'm Utah, I'm like putting Matt Gitto on the ground every chance I can, like, I'm going to run at him. I'm going to make him tackle. He's a good tackler, but you just, you want to really beat him up. Um, you know, I think that if I'm uh, at LA, I think, you know, the loss of um, Angus Cottrell for this game is going to be big, right. For the physicality that that bow was point of him played. Um, he looked a little rusty, but you know, he kind of came into the game. So having point of him back is, is, is important. Um, is Ash back at eight? 
No, he's got a broken arm, mate. Yeah. He's got a so, huge pink cast, like yeah, full so, arm so, cast. Yeah. So I'm like, so they don't have, so, you know, they're missing probably two of their starting back row. You know, there were some opportunities for, for Utah there. So I think that LA are strong favorites, but I think it becomes a much more even game if it's close after 20 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's, what are you doing with that side? I'm trying to think, do you keep Bungo Heine at eight? Like he's a great ball runner, but like you said, the line out, Adam Ash was a good line out jumper as an eight man where, where Pungo is a bit more robust, you know, great carrier at the ball, but, great defender. But Cottrell is, is, is a great carrier, right? So they're missing yeah. him. So I think, I think you probably leave Pungo there because he can provide that ball carrying that Cottrell had. And without that, they might be a little bit light in terms of having someone that can punch holes. Like we talk a lot about the backs, but those backs get all the time in the world because those forwards are strong ball carriers and can get over the line. Yeah. And obviously, JP Smith comes back, which will show up the scrum. Yeah. It'll probably be him. Um, Charlie Abel will be your yep. two front rows, I would imagine. Uh, Bailanu will be your hooker. I'm trying to think who you have at lock now. You have Dave Dennis, Dennis obviously. And, and O'Brien. Or Den Hoot, yeah. 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 Or do you put Den Hoot at six, point of minute well, seven, and put O'Brien at five or four? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think these are the things that you need to that you need to think about. I think Utah are probably coming in very settled. Yeah. And that's you, that's a probably, good point, Pete, because right? pick Picking that Utah side to me is a lot easier. It kind of, yeah, we kind of know what it is and they've played I mean, their I mean, way the in. Other thing, the other thing I would say is that there's Darren Coleman reward the players that played well, right? So there's um, Adam Channel had a great game. Yeah, but who are you? Right? DTH or Ryberg, who are you leaving out of the side? Right. Like that's the, like DTH is definitely playing. I think Ryberg might, might be a little bit, but he's had a great season. Um, yeah. Maybe Channel's on the bench. Channel or um, Ryan James? That's the question, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, hey, who'd want to be a coach, right? Who'd want to be a coach? Yeah, that's why I'm here. Not me. So, no, that, yeah, I think I think this, what makes it so interesting is we just saw it. And yeah. then I'm looking at it going, well, we just saw it. And I'm like, yeah, but it really means nothing because it was so different. And so uh, it adds to the, the fabric of this game that makes it so fascinating. I think, so I think... It's going to be, you know, what I find really interesting about the Utah LA game is you've got like Sean Pittman, interim coach, very first season as a head coach, going up against Darren Coleman, who next year is coaching one of the most storied franchises in world rugby. I yeah. mean, you've got two coaches that are very, very different. And so Sean and um, Sean Pittman and Sean Davies has done an amazing job with that Utah team. They really have. And I think Brandon Sparks and Kimball Carr have done like it's the depth that they have that I think is really important, which is why, you know, they score more than a third of about a third of their points in the last 20 minutes of the game, because the guys that they have on the bench are as good as the guys that start. So they have a really strong 23. Um, and so I think, you know, um, the Sean's have done a great job in, in getting this team here, but this is playoff rugby. And, and, you know, you've got to imagine that Darren Coleman has a bit of an edge, at least in experience in how to manage this. Yeah. You know what else is there something to think about with LA as well? We're going just running through my head. Uh, they, how many international players can they have on the field in their 23? 
So LA have um, traded for some some, for some international spots. They have 12. Yeah. 12, 12 in the squad, right? So, so 12 in the squad and something that you – I don't know if you guys noticed – um, there are some exempt players that played for Dallas floating around, just like there were a bunch of exempt players uh, floating around on that New England roster this weekend. So, yeah. uh, although, I mean, I don't know how many of those will factor into a, the first side. Maybe, uh, mm, yeah, probably um, Marco Fepoleai would be the one. Um, on the bench. Well, he got he got a pretty nasty head knock uh, two weeks ago, so I'm not sure how he's doing with that. Yeah. Another and Langy Langy picked up one on the weekend. So again, another domestic player that's dinged up. So I think you're right, Pete, where you said Utah's 23 is probably stronger. It's just that starting 15 and ballet. So that right. first 20 minutes, that first salvo that both teams fired, I think and, is pretty important. And I'm really interested to see. The um, uh, the um, how LA manipulate the back three of Utah because the back three of Utah, Whippy, Teo, and Cruze are really dynamic, but we've seen them be manipulated, mm. right? We've seen them like you know have their positioning exploited, and there are so many kickers in the LA team that I actually think that we're going to see LA move try and move the wings and fullbacks and if they don't rotate look to kick into that space yeah um, that's one of the interesting matchups i think that we'll see that's my power matchup there you go the kicking game could be a different la we see uh the the experience the game management of you know future hall of fame and matt Gitto on full display i think yeah i mean but but you've got like burton you've got goddard you've got bryce those guys can all kick right they're all quality kickers well, Cardi, um, yeah. Cardi will be in there because he's domestic. So he, you've got to have him on, at least sit on the bench. He'll be on the but, bench. Cardi will be on the bench. Yeah, we've, got to, we've got to find 11 players here to have in this starting side <laughs> or in this 23 side. All right, Pete, that one wraps it up. I will see you Sunday night, my friend, for the LA. Hashtag Utah game. give me a jersey. Hashtag give me a jersey. Get after it. And uh, enjoy the games this weekend. We're excited to hear everyone's picks who you think will get into the final. And that will be August 1st, a big one. And then next week, uh, the show will come a little delayed. So we're going to do a live show on Saturday. We'll get our details uh, early next week. So you'll know where to watch it. I'm, I'm assuming it'll be on the socials for Major League Rugby. But uh, we'll have an absolute, you know, built stream of guests, which is a word I just made up that means a lot. Uh, don't look in the dictionary for it. But if you want to hit up, uh, hit up who you'd like us to talk to as well. Um, you know, from, from both teams, once you find out who's in the final, let us know who you want to talk to. And if there's any questions you have, I'm sure we'll do some of that stuff in the socials as well. So keep on the socials, uh, the Insta face and the, um, what are you on? Linked, LinkedIn, linked book. Get on that one too, on the LinkedIn. <laughs> Reddit. Good stuff. Reddit's the good one. Reddit's the one that I go. There's a pretty 10,000 member Reddit community for Major League Rugby. So that's the one that I enjoy. Get out of here. Yep. That's amazing. What is it? Reddit? Reddit, yeah, it's a it's a social platform, Dan. Got it. Uh, what do you what do you do on there? My kids just signed me up for a social platform. Um, no, I'm not going to say what it is. I was going to say a naughty joke, but I won't uh, because I love you all. 
All right, that one wraps it up for the Professor Pete Steinberg, our producer, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Powell. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 99 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the Rugby Shop.